Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Gentlemen, would you stand to your feet? Let's give it up for Mr. Rex Crane. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, stay standing for a minute. Give the Lord a big old clap. Come on. Oh, listen. (laughs) A little hip-hop. There you go. Before you sit down, I want you to go and introduce yourself to somebody you've not met yet today. And I want you to introduce yourself to them. Tell them your name. Tell them where you come from. Tell them what you're excited and juiced about in your life. Tell them something great that's happening in your world. Come on. You can be seated. Can we give it up for our pastor, Pastor Matt and Charmaine Funk? How many of you guys have loved the last, come on, 28 hours of your life? How many of you feel better in your mind, clearer in your mind, better in your spirit? You got better. Come on, you just feel better. And how many of you guys love, come on, Pastor Keon and the, fir- and the First Lady, Pastor Bianca? Man, I was taking notes. I was so juiced by what they said. Thank you for the privilege. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Rex. I'm from Los Angeles, California. I have a background where I was a professional athlete, played baseball. And my second year, I met a 76-year-old woman on an airplane, and she made a mess of my life. <laughs> I was sitting there and she said, God's going to use you to go all over the world and you're going to deliver a lot of people that are hurting. And I said, you got the wrong guy. And she goes, I got the right guy. And I go, That's, I'm definitely not the right guy. Well, long story short, I tried to go to a Bible school. I flunked out because I cussed too much. It's been a little bit of a while since that happened. So, But just in case uh, I, one slips tonight, you'll be gracious to me. And uh, so for the last 25 years, 25 years this month in December, I've had the privilege to travel and speak in over 50 countries of the world and speak to some of the most incredible people, meaning you, people that decided to do something with life and let life do something with them, and people that decided that I'm not going to settle for a false finish line in my life, but I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to raise the roof and be all that God said I'm going to be. How many ready to take things to the next level here in the next couple of minutes? Come on, how many know tonight has already been amazing if we went out right now? How many know God's already been very, very nice to us and we didn't deserve any of it? Come on, how many know, come on, we can take it to a next level. There's new insights, there's new things we can glean. So I'm going to speak just for a minute, and then I'm going to pray for people, and you're going to do active things. I'm going to make you be active tonight, and you're going to like it. Come on, someone say, I'm going to like it. Before I do, Delton, where are you? Stand up. Hey, how are we doing on those sweatshirts breaking chains? 
Best time yet. If you don't know, Break In Chains is a really, really dope brand. I get nothing for advertising this, by the way. But I really loved it last night. I saw his sweatshirt, and they're making a difference, and they're using even a proceeds to give back to other people going through recovery. So how many know you could go through recovery and discovery at the same time? And while you're getting better, you can sponsor somebody else's comeback. Isn't that cool? So I encourage everybody, everybody that buys either a hat, anything from that brand tonight, I will give you my $5,000 program that we do with Grant Cardone's people and everything else for free called Flip the Switch. They'll take your address and you'll get a $5,000 personal growth development plan that you can go and track it so you could take your life and your family next level just as a gift because I really love the brand and how you're making a difference and you're doing something different in the planet. So if you got it, come on, we have more merchandise up there tonight. All right, you're going to hug them. Come on, you're going to give them hugs. You're going to, come on, be the guy. Give Delton a big old clap. Why would you do that? I love watching people prosper. I love watching people do something big in their life. Come on. If you don't think big, you'll always live small. How many know that's true? If you don't pay attention to it, it won't pay attention to you. It's never the law of attraction. It's always the law of action. And the reality is you decided to do something with what God gave you. All right, here we go. Luke chapter six. I'm going to teach four scriptures and you're going to like it. Actually, you're going to love it. Someone say, I'm going to love it. Okay, here he goes. It goes a little something like this. Luke chapter six on the right-hand side of the Bible, written by a medical doctor. A guy that followed Jesus wrote the book of Acts. I like to look through his lens because he was an expert in his field. And when he writes, he writes with a lot of expertise. One day you'll meet him in heaven. It'll be dope to be able to sit there and talk to him about what it was like to watch the boy that was dead carrying him out in a funeral procession and Jesus messed up the funeral and raised him from the dead. That's only in the book of Luke. A woman that had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and Jesus cut that thing off and she was bent over. Then she became strong. Great. That's in that book. There's so many powerful things that aren't in other books that Luke decided, the doctor, he wanted to put in his dissertation of what he's about to say. So I'm going to read a couple verses. Verse 6. It said, it came to pass on another Sunday or a Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and he began to teach. There was a man who's there whose right hand was withered. Someone say right hand. Say like you got juice. Someone say right hand. There you go. It was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, the Sadducees, they watched Jesus to see whether he was going to heal on the Sabbath that they might find an accusation against him. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, I want you to arise and stand here. And the man decided to arise and stand there. And then Jesus goes, yo, I'll ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? to save life or to destroy it. And when he looked around upon them all, he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored well altogether. Come on, somebody. So it's powerful, this idea, and I'm going to use these three ideas. Jesus shows up in church on a Sabbath. I would have been, that would have been really cool to go to church with Jesus. I think on Sundays, he liked to go to church just to mess up the religious people's thoughts. I think like on Saturday night, he's like, oh yeah, tomorrow's church day. Come on. I'm going to mess up all the Pharisees and Sadducees, the wooden seas and couldn't seas. So blinded by the religion, they couldn't see God in front of them. 
They were always critical. And Jesus shows up. He's got his posse. He's got John the crybaby with him. In Spanish, they call him a chion. Come on. They got Doubting Thomas. He needs Xanax every little bit just to handle all his panic attacks. You got Stealing Judas, who's stealing from the people that Jesus is helping. And you have Cussing Peter, and Jesus never tells him to quit. That should give you a lot of hope. All Jesus' guys were business owners, his disciples. Why he wanted people that would bet on themselves and invest in themselves and not look for handouts. He wanted people that had some boldness and courage. He wanted some men to come forth and stand up. He didn't want religious people. He wanted aggressive people. That's the kind of people that Christ went after. So he shows up at church, and there's this guy that he's guy known. He's known by his problem. He's known by his condition. He's known by his situation. He's got a right withered hand. Well, what does that mean? Well, to have a withered hand means all the power has gone out of the hand. He could have the desire to move his hand, but he didn't have the power to pull off his desire. The right hand always talks about the ability to reach for blessing and the ability to give blessing. Watch how powerful. His ability to get and his ability to give was now in a withered state. So though he was sitting in church, he was known by his condition, not by his different, not by who God made him to be, but what was wrong with him. In your own mind, who are you known as? Are you known by your identity of what you've gone through? Are you known by your hereditary issues? Are you known by diabetes? Are you known by depression? Are you known by what are you known by? Because who you are in your own mind determines your level of generosity, of time, talent, energy. How many know you never rise above the image you carry of yourself? My fate, your fate, is in the way you see yourself. If you see yourself poor, opportunities to increase, you won't take them because in your mind you're poor. Let me say this. Poverty is not, come on, a circumstance. It's a mentality. You grow up poor, come on, we grew up poor, come on, scarcity, you're never going to have enough. If you see yourself unlovable, every opportunity you have to experience love or someone shows you love, you put up the do not disturb sign and you push that person away. You ever been there before? Especially if you've been hurt in love or am I the only one? Anybody else been through a divorce and all of a sudden in your life, it hurts so bad, you don't want to get screwed over again. So what happens when someone shows you love, you start becoming cynical of their motives. Are you really in it for love or do you want my money? Are you really in it for love or do you want me just to take care of you? Are you really in it to love me? But then you see yourself unlovable, you reproduce that. How do you know that's true? This man in his own mind was the withered guy. I have a desire to reach and grab something, but I can't, when I do, I can't move my hand. Plus, I can't reach for much because I can't get my hand off out of my, uh, up here, I can't move my arm. And plus, I can't, anything that comes in my life, I can't keep it. There's people in here, you get blessings from God, but they're unsustainable because you have withered areas in your life so that you have the ability to reach for God, but then when God gives you blessing, it goes out the back door. Come on, somebody. Anybody with me on this thing? All right. You with me? So Jesus shows up at this place and he says to him, he goes, he goes, I want you, number one, to rise up and stand up. Man, I don't know about you. Sometimes it's easier to sit than stand, especially when you're setback. Because setbacks happen to everybody. The rich, the poor, the black, the white, the brown. Somebody help me with this thing. They can happen because of unexpected circumstances. Someone can run a red light and hit the car. Someone could stab you in the back and twist the knife and leave you and lie about you on your job, and you fall victim to their circumstances. Other times, there's spiritual warfare. 
Anybody ever experienced some spiritual warfare in your life? Come on. Thoughts end your life. Drive your car into oncoming traffic. Nobody loves you. Come on. You're going to die by this disease. You're going to this. How many know that voice, that spiritual warfare, those are spirits trying to take you out so that you quit on your life and you give into a plan that destroys you? And by the way, you know, warfare surrounds the birth of every miracle. So if there's spiritual warfare over your life, there must be something trying to stop what's about to happen. God doesn't, the enemy does not attack you based on what the past, he's trying to prevent the future. And the fact that you're breathing is evidence God knows the earth needs something you got. So therefore he's attacking you in your present to keep you from what you're about to step into. Isn't it hardest on a woman to give birth right at the moment where she's dilated? It's at that point of pushing where there's the most friction because she's about to give birth to something. Maybe the most friction in your life is you're about to give birth to the best 2024 that you've ever had in your freaking life. Someone's going to give birth to a business. Someone's going to give birth to a relationship. Come on, give the Lord a clap and a shout if you believe this kind of thing. Hey. He says, I want you to rise up. I want you to rise. Have you noticed in your life you'd only rise to the level of your vision? Ooh, come on. How many know a turtle and a giraffe, they occupy the same territory? When you're in Africa, when I'm in Africa, you can see them occupy the same territory, but a giraffe and a turtle, they eat at the field of their vision. If a giraffe tries to eat at the field of a vision of a turtle, it loses consciousness and falls over and becomes easy prey. When you lower your vision to match where you are in your condition or other people's vision of you, it's easy to lose consciousness of what you have opportunity for because where you see is where you go. A man without a vision always returns to his past. Why? Because without vision, you wonder and wander. Maybe that's why Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 6.9, better is the sight of your eyes than the wandering of emotion. Haven't we been taught by condition of culture to live by how you feel? Your feelings are true. That's why you don't ever know God by your feelings. You only know him by his word. If you don't ever get to know his word, you will never find his leading. Help me, somebody help me with this thing. Come on. You can't go off, well, I think God is saying, I feel this. We say that a lot in our culture. How many know your feelings fluctuate too much? It's the word emotion is ex mover in the Latin. It means to move somebody away from the driver's seat. How many of you have been in the passenger seat or the emotion, come on, of perversion is taking you somewhere you didn't really, really want to go? Or the emotion of jealousy has got the best of you? Or the emotion, come on, of loneliness, which is not an absence of reflection, it's an absence of direction, come on, in your life. Anybody with me on this thing? I know you've heard some good word. I'm just going to go somewhere. Give me a second here for a minute. But all of a sudden, when you don't have vision, you either settle for where you are or you go back to the way things were. But your vision is your future. The mind of a man can plan his way, then God can direct his steps. I tell the story because it's a powerful one. It's one of the most famous ones I've told in my life is the story of Stevie Wonder. At a young age, he asked his mother, why can I not see? She says, because we were cursed by God. At seven years old, Stevie goes, I ain't cursed by God. Everyone know Stevie Wonder is? If not, we'll pray for you at the end, okay? Come on, somebody. My share of more? Come on. Yeah, yeah, I'll be on your, come on, playlist daily. By the way, if you just wanted to feel good in your life, listen to Stevie Wonder for an hour and you'll smile. Come on, you got 82 muscles in your face. God gave them. Give yourself a workout. Come on, just smile. Listen to Stevie Wonder and feel good on purpose. 
By the way, if you smile for three minutes to five minutes, three times a day, you'll lose weight. Come on, dopamine, like a hit of cocaine, will go into your brain, and you'll become more creative, more efficient, more effective, and you'll sleep better, all by smiling, and that was courtesy of Rex Crane at 9.11 p.m. on a Saturday night. Sixty-four times in the Bible, God questions, why do you hold your face like that? Ooh, it's interesting, huh? Okay, but most people's vision, watch, is how they feel. But you're not what you feel, you're what you decide. Stevie hears, oh my gosh, we're, I'm cursed by God. A couple days later, he was in his neighbor's barn. He stumbled and didn't want to fall, so he put his hands out to grasp. He hit a piano. When he did, the sounds went off. And he started yelling, I can see, I can see, I can see. Billy ran back to his mother in the house. Stevie Wonder, the blind kid, ran home. He got home and he said, Mama, Mama, we ain't cursed no more. She said, what you talking about, Stevie? I was over and I tripped and I fell and I hit this thing and it was a, there's sounds. And Mama, when the sounds, when I hit this thing and the sounds, and she was like a piano and he didn't know what to call it because he can't see. He goes, I hit this thing and it made sounds. And when it made sounds, all these colors of people and lots of people, their faces, they were happy. Mama, Mama, I'm going to make sounds and I'm going to make people happy. She goes, but you don't see my face. You don't see my eyes. You don't see my lips. You don't see my hands. No, 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 Mama. Mama, I don't see with my outer eyes. I see with my inner eyes. Mama, I'm going to make some sounds and make people happy. The question is, what do you see with your inner eyes? You don't reach for what you don't see. If your bar is survival and that's all you see, you reproduce what you see. If my bar is, oh my gosh, I have a vision for an extraordinary relationship. By the way, one of the most powerful things, anybody in an intimate relationship with a woman in here? Come on, anybody have a wife? Come on, girlfriend? Somebody tight with? Okay. The greatest thing you can do when you get out of here, besides thank God for all the nice things he's done for you in the last little bit, go to that woman when you go home, babe. Babe, you know what? I'm going to give us a vision for where we're going to go. I'm going to man up in my own freaking home, in my own relationship. Here's where we're going to go. We're going to grow like this. This is what we're going to become. This is how we're going to contribute. Let's do something extraordinary on the planet. And by the way, anybody want more sex and intimacy in your marriage? Not just stability, but variety? That was weak. You suck. I want more. That's how I do math, Matt. Come on. Let your fountain be blessed. Let her breath satisfy you at all times. Listen, I'm just preaching the word. Come on. I'm out. I got to be a doer of the word. I can't just do John 3, 16. I want to go into Song of Solomon. Come on. I got to hear a roar out of you. That was weak. Flipping A. Oh, my gosh. It's 9.15, you're talking about sex on a Saturday night, and you're quiet? Come on, when you came out of your mother's womb, you came out with a shout. You had some energy. How did that shout go down to a whisper? How's your sex life? Oh, hell no. Heaven yes on my watch. How powerful would it be to your wife? Hey, babe, we're going to become this. We're going to take on this. We're going to make a greater difference this way. We're going to start praying together. We're going to become something. What if your vision wasn't to get something? What if your vision was to become someone? Proverbs 22.1 says, a good name is chosen. 
What if you had a vision for who you're going to become and don't let outside forces or voices from government or family members or the people closest, as Dr. Ke- Pastor Keon was saying earlier, tell you and dictate who you become because your life's too precious to put in the 10% of their brain they use on a good day? What if you became the driver's seat because you're accountable like I am for my life, good or bad or happy or sad, and you led your life, not least your life, and you decided, here's who I'm going to become, and you chose three character things. What if you got a map? Because the Bible says, guide your mind in the way. So when you walk out of here, you got a freaking tool. You got a compass. You got a GPS. This is how I measure my day. When I sat there with not too long ago with uh, Grant Cardone's people who do all the real estate, they go, so what's your vision for how much you want to make? How much big business you want to do? How many things you want to do? I go, my vision is for who I'm going to become. Because markets can go up and down. The world can go up and down. People can act funny. But I can tell you what, if I got a plan, come on, because the mind of a man plans his way, then God directs his steps. If I don't got a plan, God's got nothing to move. I don't want to frustrate heaven. I want to cooperate with heaven. And so if I got a plan for who I'm going to become, I can have joy and I can measure the success of my day. Am I more of that kind of a person? For some of you ought to choose, I'm going to become a person of joy. Imagine what that would do in your daily life. Imagine how much more you would smile. Imagine how different Christmas would be if you walked out of here and nothing else you said, hey, you know what? If joy's really from God, I'm going to be the most happiest, passionate, joyous person there is in my freaking family. And that became the target. Would your life be richer? Would you have more influence? Would people want to do business more with you? Would you attract or repel people from you? Come on, somebody. Your attitude is either subtracting or increasing the people that are around you, by the way. Imagine if you just chose, I will live in joy. What if it was something like, I'm going to be more generous? Having a generous, I'm going to become a more generous person, and you measured your weekly life by, I'm going to become more generous. Would that kind of vision move the needle for you? Would you look for ways to improve people? Would I be generous? I'm a generous person, so today when I was at Starbucks, and that's something on my, on my list, that doesn't mean I wasn't before, I wanted to become more generous. I'm generous with my money, generous with my time, but at the same time, I like to be generous. There's trash on the floor. Why am I going to walk by that? I'm a generous person. I don't let trash be around. I'm a generous person, so therefore I notice opportunities to be give, add more value to everywhere I go. What happens when I add more value, I get more value. Anybody want to increase economically in here, by the way? Only a couple of you want to increase economically. What's wrong with you? Well, brother, I don't believe in that prosperity gospel. Hey, freaking hey, you got to figure this sucker out. Maybe heaven ain't for you then. What you going to do when there's streets of gold, real pearly gates? If you're allergic to abundance on earth, what are you going to do to heaven? God, I can't handle this. You really need to modify how beautiful heaven is. There's angels that fly around here in pearly gates and real flipping gold. Come on, somebody. It all belongs to him anyway. You're not on a paper chase. But you're after adding value to people, and treasure comes after value. Anybody help me with this? If you sow seeds of honor, you always have places of access. You want to reap access? Sow honor. Oh, my gosh. Imagine just saying, I'm a ge- imagine if you chose three things I'm going to become more in in your life. Would that set a bar that you could rise to a higher level tonight? 
That if you rose the standard, oh my goodness, your kids are changed. I watched you as a powerful man a minute ago raise the standard for your own son. I watched you stake as a standard in front of all these men. You stood up. You stood up. Faith doesn't do good when it sits. It only was made to stand and stretch. He stood up, and then all of a sudden, come on, family stood up. He changed his whole genealogy. He changed your whole blueprint of your family when you decide to stand up, and I'm going to have a vision for what my family's going to be about. I realized I sucked at this. I was good at casting vision for people on large stages, 11,000, 13,000, 18,000. That's a lot of big stages. And I realized that when I go home, I was good on a stage, but I sucked when I came to my wife and giving her a vision for where we're going to go. So when I came home, I came home the tired wrecks, not the juiced wrecks. And I realized when I heard another man speak, I realized, oh my gosh. He said, I realized at one point in my life, I didn't come and give my wife any vision when I came home. As a result, I was only as good as what I was doing in business. So I hid there and I did not come home and I didn't have power to come home because I had no vision for my home. Oh, come on, anybody with me on that kind of a thing? Nobody taught me how to do that in grade school. Nobody taught me to have a vision for my family. My goal is just have a vision. I always thought that just make do more, use more energy, make more money, become more successful. Come on. And God will be really pleased with you. But having a vision for my family, having a vision for my kids, where you put miracles in their mind. Because the Bible says your kids will be mighty in the land, not weak in the land. Not average in the land, not poor in the land. They'll be mighty. Wouldn't it be wise to have a vision of how they're going to become mighty in the world? If not, they're going to be raised by a lot of people, come on, that will fondle them and not forward them. Ooh, did you you catch that? They'll tell them what they're not because you won't tell them what they are. That was worth your gas money. I don't know about you, I ain't going to let some teacher rub their hand on my kid's head and tell them what they're not when they're made in the image of God. When God gave them to me, it's my job to lead them. Come on, not just discipline them and point them like an arrow. The Bible says kids are an arrow. Anybody got kids in here? Say me. Me. Say it like you got energy. Say me. me. Your job as a parent, my job as a dad is to take them like an arrow. And what am I going to shoot them at? Shoot them at quietness and mediocrity? Shoot them at cynicism? Come on. Shoot them at pity? Shoot them at anger? Shoot them at addiction? Shoot them at perversion? Shoot them at freaking confusion? Or will I shoot them at the miracles of God? Will I shoot them at mercy? Will I shoot them at love? Will I shoot them in forgiveness? Will I shoot them at hope? There are weapons in your hand. Come on, your destiny is supposed to have some legacy to it. Legacy is not what you leave to them, it's what you put in them. What I got, you got to get it, put it in you. Don't break the rhythm, don't stop, continue. The wisdom of the red hot chili peppers. Come on, somebody. That's not in the scripture. Although Peter said, look on me, such as I have, give it to you. You got to have something to give something. You got to have something to give something. Why don't you let this be a year for you? Rather than come pay $10,000 to come see an event where we might speak with Tony Robinson, you just jump up and down and create a vision about superficial veins. Why don't you got a spiritual vision for who you're going to become, who God's calling you to become? Write that thing on your phone so you get it at 9, 12, and 3. Wouldn't that be better than scrolling anyways and being distracted and diverted in your mind?
Why? Because what you see all the time, it starts to change your ways as far as what you reach for. I want you to arise. I want you to rise and I want you to stand here. He told this guy, he goes, I want you to reposition yourself. Ooh, anybody want to reposition areas of their life? Let's think about that for a minute. Reposition the dreamer in you. If your best dream came true today, how different is your life? If your best dreams came true, how different is your life? By the way, if I was to go to your house, are there more pictures of where you've been or where you're going? Is your atmosphere worthy of your attention, or does it just remind you of where you've been? There's nothing wrong with celebrating all the great things in our life, but wouldn't it be awesome to have inspirational pictures of where you're going? Do all my relationships anchor me to my old life, or do they unite where I'm going? Are they a parasite that wants what's in my hand, or are they a partner that unites where I'm going in my heart? I don't know about you. I get tired of hanging with parasites. They just want handouts. They want you to sponsor their mediocrity. Well, Rex, aren't you just supposed to love it? I can love everybody and give to everybody. I don't let everybody into my circle. You ain't going to mess with my clique. Come on, somebody. I bring people in there that challenge me. Why? Because there's a Hebrew word, mashak. The people closest to you, it rubs on you. You get their mentality inside you. Do you know that every one of us makes within $25,000 of this top six people you hang around, according to Yale? Come on. If you wanted to change your economic bracket, I'd get around someone who makes a lot more money. They think better, got different habits. That isn't, you shouldn't let that intimidate you. People with health, come on. If you ain't healthy, get around people that are healthy. Yeah. How many of that'll change what you eat? Come on. Yeah. It'll change what maybe the way you treat it. You got people with better relationships. I don't know about you. When, that, when you spoke today, I would want to be around just the wisdom that's on you. This morning when you spoke, I wish you could have kept on sharing because, oh my goodness, there's so much wisdom. You would, I would be foolish if I'm a younger cat and I'm sitting there trying to raise a family. Why reinvent the circle, get around someone that's already done it and does it with grace and has that kind of wisdom on them? I want to sit there and rub and talk and have ideas. I don't want to bounce out the exit door. I got that wealth at my hands, and that could come on me, so now I don't got to go to school to try to get it. God brought someone into my path. Have you noticed when God wants to increase you, he brings a person? When the devil wants to destroy you, he sends a person. That's, that's wisdom right there. Oh, my goodness. I want you to stand here. What about the dreamer inside you? Where does the dreamer stand with you? Would the dreamer say it's hard watching you settle for less and less? Accepting talent roles beneath your talent and ability? Are you starving me because of disappointment? What about the lover inside you? Where do we can re reposition the lover inside you? How many know I said at the beginning for a little bit ago, in our relationships, are they about creation or are they about conflict? How many know when someone goes home, you usually have to say, oh man, I hope I go home to a good environment. What if you started to think about what's the atmosphere I want to set? What's the feeling I want to cultivate? As a leader, would I be a better man? In a business setting, I don't wait to see what's going to happen because I get to what I negotiate, not what I tolerate. So I go into a room going, okay, what's the atmosphere I'm going to set? I'm not going to leave myself at the mercy of other people. I know what I'm going to get. Imagine if you said, I want to set an atmosphere of passion. Would that change the way you would, would dress your spouse? Or I want to set a playful environment for my family and my kids. Would you become more playful? Come on, some of us act really tough around men, but when you get around your kids or your grandkids, come on, you act a fool and it's cool. Come on, a good kind of fool. Come on, somebody. 
You lose all sense. You get down on the ground. You start making sounds you never made before or in a long time. Come on, you don't act like your normal self. You become different. How, by the way, how cool would it be that this Christmas I'm going to set as a man a playful atmosphere in my home? I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to try to fix everybody. I ain't going to try to heal everybody. I'm just going to let it create an atmosphere where there's playfulness in home. Oh, my gosh, you'll have your wife responding different. Your kids will respond different. They'll be like, what happened to you? I went to this college man's thing. They had that Pastor Leon spoke. Come on. And Bishop Bianca. And then they had this white pink guy stand up there with a bald head. And he started talking about creating the mood. <laughs> Think about it. You go to the stores, they have a certain clientele based upon the mood. If I go into a certain sports check, they're playing Britney Spears and Bruno Mars. But if I go shop at Prada, and it's a high-end thing, I walk in there, there's jazz, they're playing John Legend, who I like being around, different people. It's a different mood because they got to appeal to a higher clientele. Whatever the atmosphere they create is what they attract. People purchase in a higher environment. Is that too much here for tonight? Is that okay? I'll say that. All right. Think about this for a minute. Okay, what about the leader? I need to position myself as a leader. How am I bringing hope and vision to other people that I work with? Am I raising the bars or excellence on my life? What is a believer inside you? It was a believer blinded where I'm not expecting big things from God anymore because I got maybe disappointed, maybe I'm doubting, maybe I'm struggling. How awesome would it be to reposition yourself? Eagles do it once a year. An eagle takes another eagle with it to reinvent itself every nine to 12 months. The eagle that can fly 14,000 feet, normal day, but when there's a storm can elevate to 22,000 feet. Isn't that interesting? The storm is the best friend of an eagle. The only thing that attacks an eagle is a crow. A crow always attacks its back, and it pecks at its back, hoping that the eagle will turn around and make its neck vulnerable so he can eat out its heart and get on its chest and eat its heart out. Isn't it interesting? The only thing that tries to attack you is what make you always look back to where you've been because it makes you vulnerable and keeps you from where you're going. Watch this, watch this. I'm going to go somewhere with this. Watch this. Watch how dope this is. Watch. An eagle goes with another eagle. They don't go with a chicken. They don't go, come on, with a pigeon that just wants to crap on cars after you wash them. <laughs> they don't want to go with peacocks that look like good, but they're all fluffy. They only go with other eagles. In fact, there's actually a test for them. They will drop. Do you know, like, that's how a mother eagle and a, and a father eagle, they actually connect. A father, the mother eagle will take a stick in a certain part of the air and drop it really, really high and see if the dad eagle will go down and get it in the air and bring it back up to her. And she tries it three or four times to see how committed the man is before she'll mate with him and commit to him. You with me? It's 930. You all right? Go ahead. An eagle takes another eagle with it, and what they'll do is they'll go to a rock, and the one eagle will protect the other eagle because he's vulnerable when he repositions himself and reinvents himself. And the one eagle will go because if they don't reinvent themselves, they collect so much dust and debris that their wings will give off a whistling sound, so now their prey gets away from them, and they end up starving because they don't get their food because they got too much stuff in their wings. Could there be sometimes that God has so much provision for you, but you can't get it and keep it because you got so much stuff on your life, and those weights, come on, cloud your ability to get it and keep it. They go to a rock, and what the one eagle will do is he goes and sits on a rock. I love this. It's powerful when you sit on the rock. The Bible says in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, that Jesus is the rock. 
He goes to an eagle, goes on a rock. And when he goes on the rock, he pulls out all 20,000 feathers in his body. It's a painful process, but if he doesn't pull it out, then he can't eat and he'll starve and he'll become prey. He pulls all the feathers out and when he does, he's all bloody. Come on, somebody. I would rather not be hurt. I don't want to have to deal with stuff in my life. I want to keep that. But how many know you can keep the pain, you can keep the pity that worships all the negative things you've been through, but it keeps you from achieving, having, owning, creating, loving, and experiencing something good. Pulls all of its feathers out, and it sits there, and it's bloody, and it dives into a pool or a lake. Isn't it interesting? It dives into water. The Bible says, cleanse your wounds and cleanse yourselves with the washing of the water of the word. Notice it didn't say that God will cleanse you with the washing of the water of the word. He says you wash yourself with the word. I don't know about you. It'd be worth probably putting this in at least 15 minutes a day where you read the Bible out loud because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Come on. Come on. If you're going to listen to your prime minister and get your knowledge from him, I don't know about you. You don't got your best interest in mind if you hadn't figured that one out yet. That's like saying my president, Joe Biden, the guy can't ride a freaking bike. How's he going to fix an economy? That's how I figure stuff out. It don't take rocket science to that. Come on. Come on, you like that right there. Come on. It's like asking our guy, Dr. Fauci, and your health person for health. They look like not pictures of health. I don't want their lifestyle. Hell no. The Bible says God will prosper me and I'll be in health. Come on. As my soul prospers, my mind prospers. I want the word to wash my soul, wash the wounds out of me, wash the hurt out of me, wash negativity out of me. Come on. Wash perversion out of me, jealousy out of me, bitterness, addiction things. Now all of a sudden, all of it, it washes and now it's all fresh. It will sit on a rock while the other eagles got its back. And all of a sudden, those feathers begin to grow again. Over the next 20 days, he grows back all of his feathers, and he'll go sit on a rock while the other eagle goes through the process. And they go in the air, they kiss, they mate, and they won't see each other for another nine months to 11 months. And they'll always come back to meet each other at the rock where they can reinvent themselves because they realize if they don't reinvent that they're going to starve and they're going to become prey. How many know that, come on, your normal can become your enemy? I come so normal. You say the same prayers. I wonder if God's like, you got new information for me? You say the same prayers over and over. I wonder if in your home, is it so much about certainty, but you lost variety, therefore you got no passion? Wow. Well, this is the way I've always been. Well, if your similarity creates comfort, your different can create something that's a reward. Oh my gosh, I don't know about you. I'd love to reposition myself for something different. The Wright brothers, when they had an idea to get an airplane off the ground, they started a bicycle shop, working at a bicycle shop, with a dream that they were going to fly one day, and they used the parts that were available. Watch how powerful. They had to use and prosper where they were, and they used all the parts available, but then they found, and they said, we're going to build our wings here. And they started to build their wings here. By the way, you could, let me just throw this in. There's more business knowledge, but let me just use this right here. How many know if you build your wings, you can't get off the ground and build anything that's going to soar if there's the right wind if you don't got your wings built? What are your wings built? Your service and your skill. And if you lose your spirit of service, your faith can only work through love, and only love works when you're serving other people. Oh, let me help you with this. Anybody ever feel like faith's hard, by the way? Anybody ever feel like 
feel like I'm trying to get more faith? Can I make faith really easy? You want really, really you always remember this. If your faith life is hard, the focus is on you and not on Jesus. If you focus on how much God loves you, faith becomes easy because now faith is working by love. Faith is working by love. Faith is working by love. If I focus on how much God loves me, that's why David said I keep his love and kindness always before my eyes. He had love vision. Come on. You're talking about a warrior that knew how to open up a can of whoop on giants in his life. But he said, the power of my confidence came from focusing on how much God loved me. Ooh, if I build my service, how can I add more value? When you came in today, were you thinking what I can get or what I can give? Isn't it natural to walk into a place and go, okay, let's see what it's going to be. Let's see how it's going to go. What if you had a totally different atmosphere? And what if it only worked for five of us? And you walked into every place you went for the next 30 days saying, how can I improve somebody? How can I light somebody up? Who could I heal today? Who can I change today? Who can I empower today? It's easy for me to do this on a stage. You want to know why? Because I learned it from a mentor over 25 years ago, the Raiders chaplain, the Oakland Raiders chaplain, my friend Tim, who my grandpa raised. I love this. Because my grandpa had a spirit of service, and the Lord told him to walk up and do a cold call in the middle of Los Angeles, Compton, California. My little white grandpa, five foot eight, he's 93 today. Come on. He's got 244 works going on in the world right now. He has a Bible school, 47,000 people in India. Come on, watch how powerful. He walked up and did a, whole, a house, and he goes, and he said, the Lord told him I'm going to do something special. There was an African-American family that was all jacked up, three generations of alcoholism, and he said, hey, I just want to let you know, my name's Ron Prinzing, I'm a pastor, anything you need, I'm going to serve you. Call me anytime you need. They would call him four nights a week and wake him up because the dad was a raging alcoholic, and my grandpa would go down there in his car in the middle of the night, sometimes in his pajamas, and take that man out of that car and drunk, take him home, put him to bed so he didn't beat up his family and stayed with him just the same way Matt does for many, come on, people that are coming to our church, shows up at the odd hours and serves people the Jesus style. That man today does so many things with Steve Harvey, Oprah Winfrey, their whole family changed because my grandpa had a spirit of service. That man later on in life, he said to me, Rex, no matter if you're with Robert Downey Jr., Kanye West, or the maid in the motel or the hotel, because I spent half of the year in a hotel. It's not as glamorous as people think. Even the five-star ones that they put me up in and paid me a lot of money to speak. You got to go home to buy yourself a candle. Come on, watch an ESPN all night long. It's not all that glamorous, as you know. But I said, always put a 10 on everybody's head that whenever you walk into a room, you make the place better. Treat them like they're the most important person in the room. Put a 10 on their head. Don't worry about getting your needs met. Sow honor in someone's life, goodness in people, improve someone, encourage people, enlarge people, and people and blessing will chase you down. My service and then my skill. How many know you talent will fail you if you don't get skilled? A skilled man stands before kings. Some of you ought to become skilled in the gifts of the Spirit, not just in the gifts of the world. They're God's love language to the church. Well, I don't really believe in all that supernatural stuff anymore. Well, then it must be all the New Testament is fake if that's the case. The gifts of the Spirit are today because it's God's love language. And it'd be awesome to have words of wisdom that when you're in the business, all of a sudden you have knowledge of how something can work, something can fix. Come on. You don't got to sit there and say, thus says the Lord, but you can become so near to God that the Holy Spirit can give you inspired ideas to be able to create something, to bring a solution to something, to speedway a process, to add more value to your clients. 
Wouldn't that be awesome to be able, if someone's serving, you're serving someone, to be able to have a skill to be able to go, hey, you're probably dealing with this, 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 and this. How did you know that? The lady on my Delta flight a couple weeks back, she was walking down. She goes, who are you? I go, I'm a super nice guy. She goes, you got like an aura. I go, I know. I had fun with the whole thing, Pastor Keon. I go, I feel so centered right now. Oh my gosh, I feel centered. And she's like, oh my gosh, this energy is so mystical. And she goes, okay, okay, stay right here. I go, oh my gosh, I got something for you. I feel like there's a, a forecast for you. So when you're done serving everybody, come sit down next to me. Okay, I'll be there. And plus, a lot of people I think in the back could use your help too. I'm like, awesome, I'll stay in tuned. How many know if I would have said, the Lord does not like that? How many of that's not going to win nobody? That's not going to be no salt in the earth, no light in the world. I'm going to repel people from Jesus, not draw people from Jesus. So then she comes down. She goes, okay, share your energy. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It's not such a mystical thing. Let me tell you about your future a little bit. And I started telling her about her future, and I gave her a word of knowledge about it. How do you know these things? I know the one who created you. His name is Jesus. He's the living God. It ain't Buddhism. It ain't Hinduism. It ain't the prophet Muhammad. Come on, that ever later said he was wrong on his deathbed. It was G, and she starts crying. She goes, come on, there's a lot of jacked up people in the back. Can you go pray for them in the back by the bathroom? I go, let's go for it. So she took me back there. He's gay. All right, sick him. Come on, somebody. She's a mess. She's addicted. Sick him. Okay, let's go for it. One by one, the power got him, started weeping and crying. One guy got almost knocked down, like you see on Christian TV. He had to catch himself. The power of God hit him, and the whole atmosphere shifted because there was gifts. They all left with an experience with Jesus, not an experience of a man, because the gifts of the Spirit were developed. Oh, imagine if you became more skilled. By the way, what's one skill you need to master in your industry to become a better leader? Would it make you more valuable? A skilled man will stand before kings. But then he said to this guy, Jesus goes, I want you to rise. I want you to stand here. Can you imagine? He's all nervous. All the critics are looking at him. I want you to stretch. I want you to stretch. You ever look up the word stretch in Webster's Dictionary? It means to extend beyond usual and proper limits. To in order to fulfill a larger function. Isn't that interesting? Jesus didn't come to my, oh my, I'm so sorry, mijo. You got, you have an arm that doesn't work. I feel so bad for you. Notice that Jesus did not come to comfort him. He came to challenge him. Yes. Let's go. Jesus didn't come to comfort the man. He came to challenge him. I know like people like Christianity, I make it so easy. Feel bad for me, Jesus. Oh, my gosh. I don't know about you, by the way. 300,000 people before the night's out are going to take their last breath, and you're still breathing, and you got a lot to be grateful for. And if you got 15 American dollars in your name, you're in the top 92% of the richest people on the planet. If you got a home to go back to, whether it's a shack or whether it's a cardboard box, you're in the top 76% of the people in the world. Don't you realize you got a lot going for you? Yeah. Come on. I, just perspective. It could be your passport or your prison. I'm going to put that right back in his holster. That was good. Hey, I want you to stretch. Can you imagine that man sitting there looking at his peers of everybody knowing that guy is the guy with the withered hand? And Jesus is telling a man who feels powerless in his arm to stretch. 
to stretch, to extend. Can you imagine it? A guy going, I don't know how to do this. What do I do like this? Jesus tells the man to stretch, and here's where I'm going to challenge you to stretch, and you're going to get active right now. Number one, I want you to stretch in your vision. Why? Because your eye print, come on, gives you access. How many know they, they look at your eye, and they determine when I walk through tomorrow night to the airport, they look in my eyes, and they recognize me different than everybody else in the world. I can walk through without having to wait in the long lines. Amen. Then they do a fingerprint. When you get a fingerprint, you get a driver's license. Anybody think that's cool? It gave you access and authority to go places you couldn't go, come on, without having to take a bus or depend on somebody else to give you a ride. The highest form of access and authority, I spoke at the Pentagon not many, not many years, from, uh, years ago. I spoke at the Pentagon, and the highest levels of access of authority come not from your fingerprint or from your eye print. They come from your voice print. If you, they can recognize you're different than everybody else and you're distinguished when you use your voice. Watch how powerful this is. The Bible says, Daniel 10, 11, 10, 12, says the angels came not because of the prayers Daniel prayed, but because of the words he spoke out of his mouth. Do you know that you eat your words? Do you know that 85% of your emotional states come from the words you speak repetitively? Oh, he said, you man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Not by how much money he makes, not by how hot his wife is, not by how hot his girlfriend is, not what kind of car he drives. A man has joy by the, by the power of his mouth. That your innermost being rejoices if your lips speak right and prosperous things. Proverbs 23, 16. Oh my gosh, imagine the access you have. Do you know your voice is the address in the spirit world? You know that devils hate it when you decide to say, no, devil, you ain't welcome at my house. Nuh-uh, you ain't coming in here. No, 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 fear, you can stop and get the heck out. You're not welcome here. I'm a child of God. God gives me a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. I don't receive a spirit of fear. No, 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 no. I might feel fear, but I'm not giving into the spirit of fear. Anybody with me on this thing? How many know your words can change the atmospheres? Most of all, demonic activity only exists in a believer's life because they refuse to use their mouth to tell it to go. You can't do anything if a bird poops in your hair, but you determine how long it sits in your hair. Some of you allow too many birds poo on your head, and you just have allow things to build up and continue. It continues with your permission. You get what you tolerate, right? How powerful would it be? You say, no, no, no I'm going to shift the atmosphere, because the Bible says you overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. My great-grandmother, or my grandmother's uncle, and I'll end with this story, I was like, and I lead you into something to do. You're going to do something. There was a, a horse in New York, and the horse was rejected by all of its owners. It was undersized. It didn't perform well. They put over $500,000 into breeding a championship horse, and it underperformed. They were going to kill it and shoot it. And my grandmother's uncle said, no, 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 give me the horse. They go, you don't want this horse. The thing can't run fast. It can't see very good. And they'd abused it. They'd hit it. They'd tried all kinds of things way back in the Depression era. Nothing worked. But he says, let me have the horse. I want what's messed up. The thing, the horse went with my, my grandmother's uncle. It wouldn't respond. It wouldn't respond to any type of food or correction. And it was sitting there just dying. But my grandmother's uncle started speaking to the horse. And started saying, you're special, you're loved, to a horse, to an animal. Started talking to an animal, all these kind words. Within weeks, it started eating again. Then all of a sudden, it was willing to take short walks. 
Before you know it, it started a little bit of a trot. All of a sudden, he found that he could even ride it a little bit with a little bit of speed. Then a little bit more, and they moved it to Santa Anita, out in Pasadena, California. And then all of a sudden, the horse started running around. They did a couple local competitions, and it won. Oh, for my uncle, grandmother's uncle, would sit there and speak to the horse in the Depression era. You know the movie today is called Seabiscuit. A champion horse broke out, undersized, beat up, and abused, all because there was one man in the corner of an animal that would speak words of affirmation, not destruction to it, and a champion broke out. Imagine if you became the voice everywhere you go that your job is to elicit a champion out of somebody. To pull a champion out of somebody. So I'm going to ask you for a minute. Who do you say God is? I want you to think about this. Everybody stand up. Come on, I'm going to have you do something right now. Let's go for it. Come on. Stand up. Come on. This is good. How many got something out of this? I'm going to put you to work. Let me see you work. Let's go. Okay, I want you to lift your hands. You try other things, you do this, okay? Come on, you try other things. Why don't you try this? The Bible says lift up holy hands. That's what the Bible says, not what Rex says. That's what the scripture says in the New Testament. David said, I'll lift up my hands to you continually. I want to give you a whole minute, and I want you to focus on Jesus and his goodness to you. And I want you to say, who do you say God is? Because who you say God is and who he is to you is who he will be through you. Who he is to you is who he'll be through you. I want you to begin to declare, like Psalm 91, it says, you are the Lord, you're the one that delivers me. I dwell in your presence. And then it says, he says, Lord, you are the almighty, you're this, you're that. And it says, then God says, I'll deliver. It's interesting that once the psalmist said, you are this, you are my shelter, you're my refuge, you're my hiding place. Then he says, I'll deliver you from the snare. You do that, you speak that, then I'll do this. Come on. I'm going to give you a moment where I want you to declare to God who he is in your eyes. Not where a preacher can influence, not where a pastor can influence, but God wants to hear who is he in your eyes? How big or how small is he in your eyes? I want to give you a whole minute for a minute. Come on. One, on the count of three, and I want you to lift your hands and begin to tell God who he is to you. Is he a father to you? Is he a redeemer to you? Is he a healer to you? Is he your victory Come on, is you one that lifts your head? Who is he to you, okay? One, two, three, lift your voice and begin to tell him. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice to him. Tell him who he is in your eyes. Tell him who he is in your eyes. Come on, powerful men. Come on, let me hear you, men. Tell the Lord who he is in your eyes. You're my strength. You're my way maker. You're my deliverer. You're my healer. You're my peace. You're the way out for me. When my wife's heart stopped, you're the God that resurrected her. You're the God that gave me a child. You're the God that gave me a wife. You're the God that delivered me from craziness. You're the God that delivered me out of addiction. You're the God that delivered me from perversion. I don't know what your testimony is, but come on, you overcome by the power of your testimony. You're the one that forgave my sin. You're the one that kept me from falling. You're the one that brought beauty to my ashes, who lifted depression off me. Come on, you're my refuge. You're my hiding place. You're my protector. You're my provider. You're my abundance. You're my everything. You're gracious. You're long-suffering. You're merciful to me. You're patient with me. You're kind to me. Come on, 10 more seconds. Tell him who he is to you. Let him hear that for a minute. Let him hear that for a minute. Something's going to lift off of you. He inhabits your praise. 
not the praise of your neighbor, your praise. He inhabits your praise. You're the one, Jesus. You're the resurrection in the life. You're the one that resurrects my dreams. You're the one that loves me even when I don't love myself. You're the one that lifts me. You're the one that restores my soul. How many can feel his presence right there? Now I want you to do that. I want you to choose one brother. I want you to choose one person, one person only, and look at each other, okay? You can't choose up and down, but sideways. I want you to choose one person in this room. Come on, choose another man. Everybody choose another man. Come on. Everyone in this room, choose another man. I'm going to make you uncomfortable. You're going to love me for it. Actually, you know what? Get a, do, do it in fours. Do it in, no, 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 do it in twos. Do it in twos, sorry. Do it in twos. That's going to make it too easy on you. I ain't going to make it easy on you. The Bible says one man changed the New Testament, Barnabas. He was an encourager. He spoke courage. You would never have the book of Mark because Paul rejected Mark because he thought he was weak. But Barnabas said, give him to me. And he's known as the prophet, the son of encouragement. And you would never have the book of Mark because Mark was going to quit on serving God. But he had one man to encourage him. If you don't do it here, you're not going to do it there. If you don't do it here with a brother that can stand with you in weakness and strength and back you up and speak life and you're not going to do it when you get home. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to find one person. Come on. And you're each going to take 30 seconds, and you're going to speak life into them. You're going to speak God's truth into them, and you're going to love them. You don't got to say everything perfect. Don't be nervous about that. Come on. Use your voice to speak life and hope into somebody else here today. Here we go. Come on. On the count of three, don't let your mind talk you out of what I'm talking you into. Come on, the Bible says edify, to edit courage and stir up good works in somebody. Look at them. On the count of three, the first person goes first. One, two, three, 30 seconds, go. Come on, you powerful men. Speak the word of God into people. Awesome. Come on, you powerful men. Give it away, give it away, give it away now. Come on, eight more seconds and we're going to switch gears and the other person's going to go. Come on, let God use you. Let God work through you. Come on, you powerful men. Raise your voice. Come on, you lions. You're a voice of hope in the valley. You're a voice of healing in this valley. You're a voice of reconciliation in this valley. You're a voice of deliverance in this valley. You're a voice of breakthrough in this valley. You're the voice of God in this valley. All right, switch sides. The other person go. One, two, three, go. Let's go. Come on, you powerful men. If you already went with somebody else, go join the tag of somebody else and go come. Come on, go reach out to somebody. We're going to end with a bang in here. It's going to be good.
Come on, you got 20 seconds. Let's go. Give it away. Give it away. Give everything you got. Love them. Love them. Care about them. Pour yourself into their world. You don't got to be right. Be in love. Do it in love. Speak truth in love. Tell them they're the righteousness of God. Tell them there's no more condemnation over them. Tell them that they're healed in their soul. Tell them they have a sound mind. Tell them that they have angelic protection over their home. Tell them the favor of God surrounds them like a shield. Tell them that they have dominion in their hearts. Tell them that when they speak God's word, it will come to pass. Tell them that they're strong, that they're bold, they're visible, they're loving, they're compassionate, they're gentle, just like their Abba Father. The spirit of their father's in them. Okay, now no matter where you are, come on, all eyes on me like Tupac said, all eyes on me, come on. Everybody lift your hands in this place. Everybody lift your hands in this place. You did awesome. Give yourself a clap first. Give yourself a clap. Come on, how many thought that was good? How many think, how many got something good out of that? Anybody give me a shout, give me a roar. Come on, y'all. How many of you that challenged your comfort level a little bit? That's all right. But how many know the Bible says stir up love and good works in the body of Christ? Okay, here we go. Now this is what you're going to do. This is going to be hard. How many know if the words, the words that come out of your mouth about yourself, if they were to be a wardrobe, would you look poor or would you look rich? Jesus never spoke negative about himself. He always said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he resurrected Lazarus. I am the bread of life, and he multiplied food. He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. He said what his father said about him. Do you know where Jesus went to go find out what he was supposed to say about himself? He found himself in the word of God. He found himself in the word. That's why you read the New Testament. He found himself, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel of the Lord. He found himself in the word, and he began to say God's word over himself. I want you to begin to declare to yourself out of your mouth loud who God says you are. I want you to lift your hands. Your faith, the Bible says, becomes powerful when you acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. It's not in yourself. It's in Jesus, who he is in you. How many know he changed your bloodline? You came from a bloodline of champions now. Not, not alcoholics, not addicted, come on. Not diabetics, come on. You come from a bloodline of it, come on. In your spiritual bloodline, you got Moses a part of the Red Sea. You got a Daniel that God shut the mouths of lions against him. In your spiritual bloodline, you got a Nehemiah that built when the government told him not to build a great thing, and he built anyways. You got a giant killer in your bloodline named David who knocked down giants. Abraham couldn't have a child. You got miracles in your bloodline. I want you to begin to declare over yourself who God says you are. One, two, three, begin to declare it. As Shakespeare said, my voice is my sword. Use your voice. Declare who God says you are. Don't be bashful. Don't be embarrassed. Say who you are over yourself. I am a child of God. I am forgiven of all my sins. I am redeemed from death. I am a citizen of heaven. I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the light of the world. I'm an ambassador of the most high God. 
Christ is my life. Christ in me is the hope of glory. I'm a man of hope. I'm a man of love. The love of God abounds in me. Come on, somebody. I'm patient. I'm kind. I'm not boastful. I'm not proud. I'm not rude. I'm not self-seeking. I'm not overcome by evil. I'm an overcomer because I walk by faith, not by sight. Come on, I'm the righteousness of God. Sin lost its grip on my life. I'm no longer its slave. I'm its master. I have power over sickness. I have power over bondage. In fact, every spirit of bondage is breaking in my life. Every spirit of addiction is breaking in my life because I have the spirit of adoption on me. I belong to my Father, who is love, who is good. I am anointed. I am anointed. Someone's going to feel something break and snap and change. I am anointed. This sickness can't stay. I'm anointed. This fear can't stay. I'm anointed. This hurt can't live, because I'm anointed. Defeat can't stay at my house because I'm anointed. Bitterness can't live in my heart because I'm anointed. Struggle and lack are not my, is not my future because I'm anointed. And God takes pleasure when I prosper. Someone say, God takes pleasure when I prosper. Someone say, God takes pleasure. When I prosper, someone say, I'm coming out. I'm coming out of defeat. I'm coming out of loneliness. I'm coming out of barrenness. I'm coming out of sickness and struggle. And I'm coming into my place that God has for me because he chose me, because he called me, because he forgave me and made me his child. I'm coming into a place of great victory, of great wholeness, and great fruitfulness. 2024 is a year I man up. I will be the greatest I've ever been because of who I'm in relationship with. I walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. I just don't believe I follow him. I walk with strong people in my life. And I walk by faith. I walk by faith and not by sight. I take a step today. I step out of the arena of defeat. And I take a step into the spirit of dominion. Ooh, feel that for a minute. Some of you walked in here heavy, owned by attitudes, emotions, bondages. You're walking out of here as the head. You're not going to be a one-night stand either. God wants full custody, not weekend visits. Weekend visitations off the table. Because once you touch fire, you don't live in smoke. You touch fire. The Bible says you feed the fire, Leviticus 6. The fire that's on the altar of your heart. Someone just do this. Say this. Say, say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. 
You're Jesus' gift to me. Fill me right now. I want you to create a worship song. If you want the Holy Spirit, before you walk out of here tonight, Matt's gonna, Matt, myself, Pastor Keon, come on, First Lady Bianca, I'm putting you on, come on, you're the only woman in the house, I think, that's left. If you want, the Bible says in Romans 1.11, the New Testament, Paul said, I long to come and impart a spiritual gift to you that you may accelerate and progress. It seems a little dumb to me in the natural to put my hand on someone's shoulder and all of a sudden God was going to accelerate the purposes in their life, the blessing in their life, and the breakthroughs in their life. But God says, I'm going to do something that might seem dumb to you but seems brilliant to me. And if someone will allow you to put your hand in my name on their shoulder and pray, I will impart. If I got, if I tonight imparted a million, if, I have, if I'm a millionaire, a billionaire, and I impart tonight to you a billion dollars, it doesn't mean you got to work for it anymore. You could act like a billionaire and you have access to it. The Bible said, Paul goes, I want to give a spiritual gift so you can act in a greater dimension than you've ever acted supernaturally in a natural world because of a gift of the Holy Spirit, not of man, a gift of God that can accelerate you in the marketplace, in ministry, in your home, in your family. How many know there's power in God's impartation? If you want that tonight, we're going to sing a worship song. I want you to come to the front. And if you want to come to the front, you're going to, all, we're not going to sit there and pray long, but we're going to pray over every single person and put our hands on your shoulders, and we're going to agree with the purpose of God. And God's going to speak to you. He's going to impart to you and your future and your destiny and your children and your wife and your spouse will benefit because destiny will be accelerated because of what God says in his word will begin to manifest in your life. I want you to lead us in a worship song that we can all sing and that we all know. I want you to lead us in a worship song we can all sing and all know. And if you want that for your life and your family, I want you to come down to the front and take a step and say, excuse me, excuse me. I'm going to go down to the front. I'm going to accelerate my destiny. I'm going to man up in my life. I want the future to be God-centered. I want God's spirit at my back blowing in my direction. I want acceleration in my finances, acceleration in my whole sobriety, my healing. I want, acceler I want acceleration in my, the love of my relationships. If you want that, I want you to come down here. And Rudy's going to lead us in a song, and we're going to worship, and then we're going to pray. And this is going to be awesome. You ready to go, Rudy? All right, let's go, baby. Let's do this. Come on. Let's make it happen. If you want that, come on down right now. I want you to come to the front. I don't want you to wait. I'm not going to do a bunch of calls for it. If you want it, I want you just to lift your hands, and we're going to worship one song. We're going to worship the Lord. And then there's going to be impartation. Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.